0: Alright, guys, we're going to take a little journey into how to become a backpack hunter with my new friend, Josh Kirshner. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Time Studio right here in snowy, snowy Clark Fork, Idaho. <laughs> and uh, this week, uh, I thought that it would be kind of fun to get somebody on to talk, uh, get off the subject. We've had a lot of tough conversations lately uh, where we're talking about, you know, the the future of hunting and and what hunters are doing to kind of uh, you know, put that into, into jeopardy and what anti-hunters are doing and this this bear hunting band in Washington, helping our friends in Washington, uh, things of that nature. So it's been a little bit tense around here. So I figured it would be fun to get somebody on to talk about backcountry hunting who is an author who just wrote a uh, who wrote a book called Becoming a Backpack Hunter, A Beginner's Guide to Hunting the Backcountry. And uh, my goal was to have this book read before we got him on the show we've had this uh, episode scheduled for a few weeks here um but unfortunately i just barely got it so uh we're gonna have the author himself here explain the book and talk all things backcountry hunting and uh i'm really looking forward to it josh i pre- appreciate you com- coming on by the way his name is josh Kirshner and uh josh how you doing man i'm doing
1: good man thanks for uh, thanks for having me on always always a always a pleasure to come talk
0: about hunting I am super jealous of your Arizona weather right now. <laughs> so
1: you, you and a lot of other people, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have like I, I I spend hours on on this tractor I've got going up and down the driveway trying to get the ice off it so we can just leave our our property. It's it's ridiculous. And then uh, where are you at in Arizona, by the way?
1: I'm in Central Arizona, so right around Phoenix.
0: Right around Phoenix. Yep. I've got a lot of friends down there and uh, in fact I was supposed to come down and, and do a coos deer hunt uh this last season but it got it got postponed till next year because my property wasn't ready for me to leave it just yet so oh man <laughs> um yeah so uh I want to kind of kick this off before we get to the book give us a, a, kind of a synopsis of, of where you're from and how you grew up man yeah
1: so uh I live in Arizona right now I've been here since i'm I'm goodness gracious I think i'm I think I'm 36 now Jim.
0: Oh man, you're getting long in the tooth brother
1: <laughs> <Yeah, okay. laughs> I' still lot yeah, am still a young buck I think you know but uh oh yeah uh, yeah no I had a dad um have a dad that uh, brought me up in hunting and fishing um, from a young age and uh, I was kind of the oddball out in school. You know, uh, back when I was a kid, hunting and fishing wasn't really, um, wasn't really cool, if, if that makes sense to people out there.
0: It makes total um, sense. Was that in, was that in Arizona or?
1: Yeah, so that was, it was, so it was in Arizona, but also I, I lived in New York for the first eight years of my life. Oh, wow. That's a big uh, difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of contrast between the two. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I grew up over there first eight years, did a lot of fishing in the ocean over there with my dad. And then when we, you know, the whole time we were living there, my dad had this gun box, um, that he made, um, there at home and inside of it was a a lot of hunting magazines, like, like Western hunting magazines. Uh And I would get into that stuff and it was just like diving into a completely different world than I knew you know, I had never seen a mountain before when I was, when I was that old, that age. And, um, so when my mom and dad told me we were moving to Arizona, my, my mom had family out here. Um, I was just like, so excited to go, <laughs> to go and dive in the and,
2: mountains and
1: yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was, yeah, we, we landed on the plane and that's the first thing I saw was like mountains and I couldn't believe it. It was, it was absolutely unreal to me. And, um, yeah, I did my first deer hunt with my dad when I was like eight, nine, nine years old when we got here. And uh, first time I slept out in a tent and, you know, it just kind of changed my whole life pretty much, you know, and I just kind of been kind of been obsessed
0: about it ever since. So yeah. when you, when you were in New York, what were you like in New York City or uh, upstate? I, I, or? I, we lived in Queens. <laughs> oh, Gotcha. And, yeah. I, Cause I, I'm curious about like the dynamic of that. Um, you, you you were interested in hunting and stuff. Like what was the, the, among the other students in, at school or something, did they think you were crazy wanting to go hunting or?
1: Oh, I was the only guy, like for sure. Like, no, no, there, I didn't, I didn't have any friends that, uh, I, that re- even really went fishing. you know i I was and 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 honestly man the same the the the, that kind of continued once i moved out to arizona there was a a few kids here and there you know because you are out west now right you're kind of you know yeah um opening yourself up a little bit more to that type of life but like i was still like one of the only kids out there like i remember i did a book report not a book report i did a um a uh a report on largemouth bass when i was when i was like 10 <laughs> and, that, and and <laughs> like that was so that yeah that was my childhood you know what i mean that's what i was into and uh i did i did meet one guy um that was into that stuff as well and to this day he's still my like very best friend um and we're you know like I said, we're in our 30s now so wow well,
0: that's awesome man so it's I, I love that kind of stuff and, and that kind of story because it, it speaks to, you know, we, we talk about that kind of stuff a lot on this show where it's like, you know, what, what developed this passion for hunting and what, how did, how did this, how did you become so into it? Cause I, I was the same way in school. Now I grew up in, in Utah where it was a lot more prominent to go hunting. Like mm-hmm. they shut our schools down when deer season opened oh, um, man. and, and it was, uh, it was a big deal. Uh, but as I, as we got, as I got into high school and stuff, I, I found myself more and more like a, a, a minority, you know, and, uh, I, I actually stopped playing football after my sophomore year because it cut into my hunting time,
2: uh, <laughs> big time. And, and like,
0: I remember my coach was pissed and, and wouldn't talk to me and, and he just didn't understand, you know, uh, yep. so it's just, it, that's how it was. But, um, when, as as you're going through like high school and, well, give us an idea, growing up in Arizona, on the Arizona side, uh, for a lot of us that have never hunted Arizona, uh, I know you guys have, obviously you have the coos deer, you have the muleys. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really good elk hunting down there. Uh I want to say, no, that wild boar I shot was in Nevada, not Arizona, but it was right on the Arizona border. So anyway, um what would you hunt?
1: For, for me when i was a kid so here's here's kind of where things were different um when i was a kid um it was always deer hunting for us that was uh it was you know you had your annual deer camp pretty much me and my dad and and uh, early on my my mom would come and stuff and then and then we had had uh, they had my little brother and he started coming along so every october late october that's what we would do is mm-hmm. we'd go we'd go coos deer hunting um but then once I got into my mid 20s I'd say I was like you know what man I I really want to like learn more about all this I want to hunt different things you know bears and and you know just other species and and branch out from from the only thing I ever knew was deer Yeah
0: yeah that's, um, that's how I was too
1: <laughs> And that's, so that's that's what I did um I the first animal that I went and hunted on my own, you know, like away from dad was a bear and, and, uh, and, and that just, not anybody that knows me now knows that I, there's, there's a few things in life that make me really happy and bear, black bear hunting is one of them. Oh, man. So,
0: <laughs> like a spring bear hunt kind of thing.
1: Oh, All of it, buddy. All oh, of it? Spring, spring, fall. I cut my teeth
0: fall bear hunting. Um, are, and then, it, yeah. Are you bear hunting in Arizona there? Oh yeah. And what is in, in Arizona, is it like spot and stock? Can you bait? Can you use hounds? What, what kind of bear hunting is it? It's so
1: baiting is illegal, uh, is illegal. You're not allowed to bait. Um, you can use hounds during the fall. You're not allowed to use hounds. Um, I, I don't, but I know you're not allowed. We have one spring hunt. That's a draw. I know you're not allowed to use hounds during that. And I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to use hounds during the over, over the counter spring hunt. Um, but other than that, it's all spot and stock predator calling. Um, obviously, we sit the water here because water is, is precious here in the desert.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's um, probably the, I mean, we could talk about the difference between like a desert versus like a coniferous high mountain forest like we're in up here.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but I, I think that you nailed it with the water thing. Uh, everybody I know down there, they hunt water. Hey, because and, and it's it's crazy to us up up here in North Idaho because water's just everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. And it makes uh, that makes for an interesting backpack hunt because uh, we oftentimes are hauling water in to areas so we can live back in the mountains because there's usually there's water there's always water around but it's always not in a convenient spot.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) and uh a lot of the critters out here man they're getting they get their moisture from just the feed that they're eating like like animals are not on on like real real dry years they will be absolutely glued to water sources Mm -hmm. but other than that i mean you you don't need to be like right next to a, a, a spring or anything like that in order to get into good hunting. They, they, they are very adaptable, um, and hardy critters. So
0: I want to back up for, for just a minute, something you said there, what, what got you into like backcountry hunting? that uh
1: my own uh curiosity is what Uh (laughs) um the thing so the thing that really drove me to want to hunt further away from roads and stuff was i had a couple bad experiences when i was a kid um running into you know just with other hunters like one like one time a story i tell often is my dad and i we were out scouting day before opening day you know what i mean we find this this little forky coos buck and it was i was like heck yeah he's gonna be there we're all psyched gonna be my first deer Mm -hmm. and we get in there early in the dark and we get set up and then we hear we weren't far from a road you know um we we hear a truck come come down the way it stops and we hear a gunshot and it was like (sighs) gosh dang it man you know what i mean like and that guy killed that road hunter. Kind of yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: I've, mm-hmm. had, I've had and that happen exactly
1: that scenario. Yeah. So it, that, along with a slew of other similar things, happened quite a bit when I was younger, and I was like, you know what? I just got mad, and you know, i like, before I started backcountry hunting, I was like, I just started hiking for an hour in the dark. Yeah. You know, you know, get trying to get away from roads, and I found good hunting doing that. But then as I went through doing that, I'm like, you know what? This would be a lot more efficient if I actually just went back and slept back there Mm -hmm. instead of making this big hike in the morning, big hike in the evening, big hike in the morning, big hike in the evening, you know what I mean? Like you're being a lot more efficient with your energy. So I started looking into backpack hunting and in all honesty, before I even went on my first backpack hunt and considered doing so, I told myself I would never backpack hunt because it sounded like it, it sounded insane, like I, I could, because you come from a guy like like check it out. You go hunting with your dad or whatever, and it's like you load up the whole back of the truck, right, with everything that you need. Oh yeah. And then you and you think about going backpack hunting. And it's like, well, how the hell am I going to get all that stuff in the back of the truck in a backpack, <laughs> right? But it was just, <laughs> you know, Coleman. it was just. Coleman yeah. Coolers and, lanterns yeah, and yeah 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 oh yeah yeah but it was just yeah you know, i didn't know about it It was my ignorance on the topic you know um and so once i started looking more into it you know uh, the inf- the little bit of information that was out there i was like oh wow this you know i think i might be able to do this and and i uh, how i posed it to my wife you know was i was like hey why don't we get into backpacking you know ah, and smart. then and then that was something. Cause I was always, I always tried to include her in things that I did and stuff like that. She's not a hunter, but I'm like, Hey, this is something that we can both do. We can backpack and then heck and bring a set of binoculars along with me and kind of scout as I'm doing this stuff and get used to living, uh, you know, off the beaten path. And, and so that's what we did. What that our, when we got married, our, uh, uh, the, all the money that we got from, from like friends and family for our wedding, we put it towards backpacking equipment oh, nice. and yeah. And we, and we, we, uh, backpacked around Arizona and stuff, you know? So that's, that's kind of how I got started in like back, like living in the back country and
0: backpack hunting. And, and stuff, how long, so. how long ago was that?
1: Oh, I, I've been backpack hunting. I think that was about, probably six years ago, something gotcha. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, am definitely not, I'm not an expert, you know, I, I have not been backpack hunting for 30 years or anything like that.
0: Well, I so. mean, it, it, that, I, I think that that's irrelevant in the, in the, in terms of, I mean, y- you are an expert obviously because you're very successful at it and you wrote a book about it. <laughs> and so well, <laughs> I would consider that an expert level backpack hunter. Um, and it's, it's interesting b- b- because it like your progression is is almost the opposite of what mine was. I I was backpack hunting when I was in in high school. Uh heck, I I actually middle school. Uh and and I joined the service and then ever since I got out of the service, I've only been backcountry hunting a couple of times just because of the nature of the terrain that I hunt, it it's less conducive to like we, we, the biggest thing is is we deal with a lot of wolves up in North Idaho. And so mm-hmm. if, if you backpack into a spot and 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 the wolves have pushed the elk out, you're kind of pigeonholed in there and stuck, you yep. know. Yep. Um and so we we do a base camp now, but um I I want to I want to do it again and get back into it uh somewhere else. Like, you know, go go out of state and do it. Uh go out of mm-hmm. I've got I'm building points in Montana and Wyoming. Where all have you hunted?
1: I've done uh so obviously Arizona, I've hunted Utah, Colorado, Idaho, um I think that's it in the west.
0: And so <clears> give uh, when I think a lot of people when they think backpack or backcountry hunting, Arizona's not a state that you think of I think right off the bat and I, I no. probably a lot of that is due to the water issue. Uh
1: Yeah, it yes, it is. You uh, think that's why? Th- yeah, it's one of the it's one of the the issues uh, for sure. Um I had a, a good friend of mine come down from Idaho to uh, hunt some coos deer with me. And I, and I said, yeah, we can backpack and stuff like that. And that dude's number one concern, it seemed like was water. Cause he's like, we're, get, we're in the desert, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you know, it's around, you know, it pools up in the bottom of canyons and stuff like that. So we just have to, to you know, put some, put some uh, boot leather to it and try to find it. Or we can just haul it in, yeah. which is something that we do a lot here in Arizona. I'll, I'll like, You know, just for convenience, I'll haul in a couple gallons of water a week ahead of time, stash it. And then when I get there, you know, it's there for me waiting in camp.
0: Has anybody Uh, ever, has anybody ever gotten to your water source that you stashed? Nope. Okay. Uh, Because I've heard, I don't know who's telling me. I got um, a couple other buddies I have up here in the Northwest. They, they're big time backcountry hunters. In fact, they wrote a book too, Team Bad Decision. And, and these goofy. Oh bugs. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they, I, I know that book. I I don't know if it was them or not, but somebody was saying they stashed some water and uh, they got they got back in there and somebody had taken it.
1: Oh wow, yeah, I, yeah. and have uh, knock on wood, haven't had anybody <laughs> uh, take it. I'd be more worried. I was I'm always more worried about a bear finding it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and ripping it up.
0: Huh. Uh, elk hunting. Talk to us about. <laughs> that and how you you know came came into elk hunting because uh, you're it sounds like your childhood was a lot like mine where it was mainly just deer yeah um, and then you got um, into bear uh, mm-hmm. and, and i'm assuming elk yeah elk's one of those things
1: i'm uh i'm not an elk nut i really i'm i'm really not <laughs> like I, I i enjoy elk hunting but i think if i lived somewhere where i could elk hunt every year like you guys do i'm i might be a little bit more into it but for us elk hunting it's just one of those things where you 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 put your app in and pray every year uh, that you draw a tag Uh, it's one of the downsides of living in a trophy state um yeah i was i
0: wanted i wanted to ask you about that um sorry i cut you off go ahead finish finish no
1: no it's all right uh elk hunting is kind of few and far between so i've been uh after putting in for so many years i i that's that's the thing that drove me out of state to try other states was elk um so i started you know i went to colorado that was my first early archery elk hunt i ever had Mm -hmm. um and went over there had a good time and And I was like, man, I want to learn, learn more about this. And, um, but then I, (laughs) then I found high country mule deer and that kind of ruined that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is, uh, yeah, that, that one's, that one's tough to compete with, man. There is something about that high country mule deer hunting that, um, that is, is just magical, but,
1: uh, yeah, I, I find you're either a mule deer guy or an elk guy. That's like because <laughs> you have to choose, is,
0: right? There is some truth to that, and, and so I'm I'm like an oddball man. I love both of them. I, I love both. Oh, of good them. for and, you. But uh, I, and I've I've said this a million times on the show. I I'm really into these uh, public land high mountain whitetails recently. Um and oh nice, man, they are a freaking ball to hunt, and and so it's like now I'm torn you know, uh, yeah. am I going to, am I going to go after mule deer or whitetail? So, uh, that's, when, that's a good problem to have, Jim. It is, it is a good problem. I'm not complaining. Uh, <laughs> when, when you're talking about as a resident in Arizona, um, mm-hmm. like how often can you guys get an elk tag? Is it once every five years or I've always wondered about that. Cause you guys have some great elk
2: hunting.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, so one of the things about early archery elk hunting here is it once you do it here i, I mean and i love other places i've hunted elk and stuff but once you elk hunt here in september you're kind of ruined yeah
2: it's, i've heard that.
1: It's, yeah it's just like nothing else um so for us for an early archery elk tag for a mid-tier unit um you're probably looking at now this is in terms of like Hey, I have enough points. I'm going hunting. Like like that. You you can draw any year. We have randoms,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a random draw. So you can draw zero points. But in order to like be like, give me that tag, you, you need about six, seven points uh, in order oh, to wow. do that. Gotcha. So we do now. We do have the th- the thing I've done the past couple of years. Um, and this is what kind of drove me to do this. Was we do have late archery elk hunts. Um, and which are in, uh, mid November. Mm-hmm. So you can be hunting, um, you know, these mid November bulls in units that take seriously, like no joke, like 15, 20 years to draw for a September tag. Um, and those only took, take us probably to really, to get like hundred percent draw three points for us. No,
0: down that's, here. Not, that's not too bad then.
1: No, I mean, I drew, I drew it this past year and the year before so
0: oh nice okay so you if there's there is opportunity it's
1: not yes it's not crazy yes no it's opportunity but like for the guy looking for that like that september hunt
2: uh-huh. you're gonna
1: have to, you're gonna have to wait yeah bit, for sure you know. Or
0: go elsewhere like you like yeah. you were just talking about Yep. um mule deer man uh there's some pretty good mule deer hunting down there in arizona i know uh, oh yeah
1: where else do you go uh, for mule deer?
2: Yeah.
1: Like other states?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Co- uh, Colorado had some, some great mule deer hunting up in Colorado. Love hunting up there above the trees.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, And then Utah is the other place that I really like to go. Um, I'm actually planning to hunt there again next year in Utah. A lot of deer up there. Uh, just beautiful country. It reminds me a lot of uh, Arizona kind of because it does at least where I'm hunting, there's not water everywhere.
2: Yeah. So it
1: is kind of, it is kind of arid, but, um, it, th- that, that high country up there is just that, that just infects you in my opinion.
0: Yeah. That's one <laughs> thing I miss about Cause it's, like, I told you, I, I grew up in Utah and mm-hmm. you know, the, the way you would get tags back in the day is a lot different than you, you get tags now, but, um, I do miss that high country, the, the and I, I did go back and do it a few times back in like 2010 2000, through 2013. I was getting these tags um, mm-hmm. down there, and man, it is tough to compete with some of that. And I, I never want to promote it too much because I don't want no. anybody in Utah coming after me because I'm, you know, talking about how good it is. But it is kind of a hidden gem that not a lot of people talk about.
1: Yeah, uh, And, and no. it's the
0: same for
2: elk for Utah.
1: I agree. I haven't, I haven't elk hunted in Utah, but like the mule deer thing, man, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of deer up there. Um, and I really don't, I really haven't had too many issues running into other people. Like I've run into some other hunters here and there, but like, it's not, it's not anything that like will push you off the mountain.
0: Well, Utah is, is one of those States where like you can be, you could be in crowded areas if you choose to be, or you can get away. And, and a lot of people, uh, one of the complaints I hear about Utah is, oh, oh, it's, it's overly crowded. There's too many hunters. There's, you know, this and that. And, and I remember there, there was, there was some areas where it was like, it sounded like, you know, Vietnam or something, Uh, but, uh, it, it, there's, there's areas that you can really get away from. My dad, my, my family has a ranch in central Utah and it's irritating because my dad, he'll stand out there with his cell phone and like take a picture of this huge mule deer walking through and mm-hmm. he's like, oh yeah, this guy comes through every time. Dude, if I saw a mule deer like that up here during deer season, I'd faint. And, <laughs> and they're like just everywhere down there and, and you yeah. can get away. But anyway, sorry, Utah peeps. I don't mean to, I'm not, I'm not promoting hunting in Utah. Um,
1: yeah. There's, there's no uh, deer in Utah.
0: <laughs> they all died. They all died. Um, so no, that's, that's fantastic, man. And it's, I, I feel like I, I want you to keep me posted on, on your upcoming hunt to Utah. I, I want to talk about that more, but you know, off air sure. obviously. So, uh, what inspired, what in got into your mind? Actually, let's not go there yet. Back us up and talk, talk to us a little bit about, uh, your writing, how, how that happened, how you've developed as a writer.
1: Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, not a plan. Didn't, didn't plan on it. Um, I, so I mentioned when I got into my mid twenties, I really, really dove into the whole hunting thing full bore. And when I did that, um, I kept on having to like, Oh, it's kind of funny. Like I kept on having to go and, and meet friends for coffee and stuff like that. Cause they kept wanting to hear about my hunts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I just like, started a blog, you know, and like wrote all this stuff down, you know, and 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 with any luck, one, I wouldn't have to go on as many uh as many trips to go meet people to talk about my hunts. Coffee shops. But but also maybe I could, you know, with the transparency that I'm providing, maybe I could provide a little bit of inspiration to newer hunters because in my opinion, like it's gotten a lot better, but hunting media is definitely uh at least when i like it, like when i was growing up it is very misleading oh totally uh and it i mean you watch a 20 25 minute show you know and three bucks die and you know you kind of get in your head it's like oh you know i can do that which is great It inspired you to get in the field but then when you get in the field you have this reality check and it's like man i was out for five days i didn't even see a buck mm-hmm. you know what am i what am i doing wrong right so like I felt like if I were if I was that transparent with people to let them know, hey, oh, you had a hard hunt. Yeah, me too, man. That's that's how it that's how it is. Um, and to kind of resonate with people more. Um, so I started a blog called Dialed In Hunter because of that. It was basically you know it documented my hunts, um, failures, successes, and everything in between. You know my my philosophies that I've kind of developed through the years, and uh. As I did that, like I said, it wasn't a plan, but I just started, I got an email here and there or a text message here and there from editors saying, Hey, would you write, would you write a story for this magazine? Would you write this for this website? Blah, blah, blah. And that kind of, I was like, yeah, heck, absolutely. So, and it, and it just snowballed. It just snowballed. And I, now as I sit here, I, you know, I got to pinch myself, knock on wood. Like I am a full-time freelance writer in the hunting industry.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. It, and it's not like it's, I didn't try to be, you know, I mean, it, it just kind of happened. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it, how
0: I'm sitting here right now. <laughs> so it's not something you set out to do and it kind of, it kind of, and you're like, that's actually how I started even getting to this podcast is, is, uh, writing blogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it kind of just went in that direction too. But, uh, curiously, you know, what's it, was it was what you thought it would be being like just a total freelance writer uh
1: i mean i I mean i mean it's a job you know like it's (laughs) not like it's it's not all peaches and rainbows but like yeah i mean it's i feel incredibly blessed you know what i mean like like i said i gotta pinch myself wondering when someone's gonna wake me up
2: Hmm. you know (laughs) yeah Um, totally totally
1: it's very very cool to to you know pour my my uh energy into a passion and uh you know be able to make a living doing so
0: well here we are and it's already almost christmas time and you might be buying for that hunter in your life or you're buying for yourself let's start with the westernhuntsman.com if you go there and check out the gear tab we've got all the tacticam equipment so if you know or you are interested in filming your hunt Jump on the WesternHuntsman.com forward slash gear and check out the Tacticam products from the cameras to the reveal cell cams to everything else and all the attachments. It's all there. You can also check out the merchandise tab and get you a cool t shirt or a coffee mug or something like that. And when you do make a purchase on the WesternHuntsman.com, a portion of that. Proceed goes towards the fight against anti-hunters moving on I want to talk to you about scree gear scree is extreme mountain gear built for the wild it's a great company with great gear that's not gonna break the bank some of my favorite scree items are the hardscrabble pants the hardscrabble vest is super versatile get your complete layering system to the kodiak pants and i love the gridger glassing knit so keep your hands warm when you're out there glassing the mountain doing your thing so check it out at screegear.com and don't forget to use the promo code the western huntsman for 15 percent off and free shipping man that's a great deal Check it out. Screegear.com. Let's talk about Phelps Game Calls, the oldest sponsor on the Western Huntsman Podcast. Phelps Game Calls has a full lineup of elk calls, predator calls, deer calls, duck calls, anything you need call-wise. Check it out at PhelpsGameCalls.com. Phelps is a true American story built from the blood and sweat and tears of Jason Phelps himself from his garage to what it is now, one of the premier call companies Out there on the market. I love these guys. It's a great company, great products, all backed by great warranties. Check it out at PhelpsGameCalls.com and don't forget to use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, check out Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots are my go to boot. They have been for many, many years. Uh, I love this company. They are built right here in North Idaho. And if you are in the market for a new set of mountain boots, hunting boots, uh, you need to check them out. I love my Explorers. You can get the Explorers in the 8-inch, the 6-inch. You can get the Summits. That's another great boot. Personally, I haven't tried them, but I, I can attest that if they're anything as good as the Explorers, you will not be disappointed. So go to hoppinboots.com and check it out. Use promo code ALL LOCK, by the way. Huntsman 10, Huntsman 10 for 10% off on your next Hoffman Boots purchase. Guys, that's it for sponsors. I sure appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and leave us a review if you wouldn't mind. It goes a long way to help the show. Let's get back into it. Here we go. So you get get doing that and it's like uh, you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I'm going to write a book is that kind of how it went? Yeah.
1: Down? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So I, I, uh, originally, uh, you know, we were talking before this. Um, so as I started backpack hunting, like obviously like when I, I had this blog going and I, I was, you know, writing about this stuff on my blog, like me kind of getting into this and everything. And, this backpack hunting thing and i was like man i'm writing a whole bunch of stuff on backpack hunting and i wonder and i got, and i was getting a lot of questions from people on social media and stuff like that on various things a lot of gear questions a lot of you know where do i camp how do i do this blah blah, blah. i was like man i wonder if I, I wonder if i just like made like a one-stop shop for all of this you know something where you've never backpack hunted before in your life is uh, this thing that you could pick up and after you're done reading it you can go do your first backpack hunt you know and so so that was the goal i was like okay i'm going to make a resource for this and originally it was going to be an online course um but the more that i went down that route i was like you know what this is this feels a lot more like a book you know Mm -hmm. so started diving into that figured that out how to do that and and uh you know self-published it through amazon and now it's now it's available you know you can go you can go get it and it's something i'm very proud of and have had a lot of a lot of great feedback on um that uh, you know it's, it's just very rewarding
0: yeah I, and i, I want to talk about the book itself for a minute because like like i mentioned in the intro i haven't actually dived in and read this book yet um because it's I I wasn't super smart and I ordered it right at the holidays so Amazon was like <laughs> way behind. In fact, <laughs> I almost I almost lost my life because uh, I I waited to order this thing that was for one of the kids for Christmas, and oh, man. it got delayed and it showed up like freaking eight o'clock new, uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, just in time, you know, to get as the kids were going to bed anyway, it was was like two weeks behind. So I just got the book, but I want, I want people to kind of understand what they're going to get out of this. And, um, I think that's important because there's a, there's books out there. I mean, there's lots of books like this out there in, in one sense, but in another sense, what, what really sets this one, uh, apart from what I can tell is you actually get into the gear, you get into, um, Food for the backcountry. Physical aspects of backpack hunting. I'm reading the chapters here. The mental mm-hmm. side of backpack hunting. Adult onset hunter. Uh, I'd, ooh, I'm i excited about that one. That that one's always uh, curious to me. Yeah. Safety in the backcountry. Where do I hunt? Solo versus hunting with a partner. Packing out game. Um, there's a lot of information in here. There's like a chapter on the gear. Uh, you talk about different backpacks, how to size them. Mm-hmm. Um and you talk about like the the water filtration. We were talking about water filtration, different different filters for the backcountry clothing, all that kind of stuff. What do you what do you think um, are some main things like people are going to get out of this book? If if they're let's say it's it's somebody that's like, okay, I've been I've been hunting, I've been base camping uh, for such and such time. I really want to try a backpack hunt. Uh, and actually, before I ask this that question, let's let's go to this question. What do you think hunters do? that is like the biggest mistake when it comes to getting into backpack country or back country hunting. <laughs> I can't even spit it out.
1: I think I think there's two things that they do. The most com- common two things that I see is one right on the surface is they um they bring way too much stuff with them. Mm-hmm you know i mean you you bring the kitchen sink on my first backpack hunt i remember hiking in and being like like literally the first thing i thought was how can i get this backpack lighter yeah you know and and then uh the second thing that people do um and i really think this spans into all things hunting with gear is they focus way too much on gear
0: yeah i would agree with that totally
1: it, it is not um If the one thing, if, if people could get one thing from the book, the most valuable thing to me would be to pull the trigger and go, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, that's, that's the thing. And that's, and that's kind of, I hope that throughout the book, the book instills confidence in somebody to do so, you know, like, like backpack hunting and hunting in general, if to me is an art and whoever, that's one of the beautiful things about it is, Mm -hmm. is is that what is the best thing for me might not work for you, but that's okay. You, you, you have a blank canvas and, and you are the one holding the, 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 pencil, you know, and you, you can, you can paint, paint or, you know, you can draw whatever you want yeah. and, and to, to, yeah. to be your picture. Um, I was, I'm, my goal was to just kind of give you a, a blueprint of how you can do that. Um, with the book. So,
0: and coming from somebody who's just kind of skimmed through it so far, uh, I, I think you do that pretty well here because one of the things I think happens and this, this can be true when it, when we're talking about any kind of hunting, right? I mean, whether you're, mm-hmm. if you're staying in a uh, hotel and, and day hunting or, or, base camping somewhere or, or whatever, but it's particularly true when it comes to backpack, uh, hunting, and it is a lot of hunters get this paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. and, and they, they feel like the, the barrier to entry is so high or so expensive, uh, yeah. that it's, it's, you know, impossible for them or, or they live back East and they, and they want to come and do a backpack hunt out West. And I feel like they build it up a lot of times in their mind that it is more difficult, more expensive, more challenging, uh, than, than it really is. And so that's, I think what this book can offer is it sheds some light on, on some topics for people that will help, uh, knock down that barrier to entry and and understand that it's, it's really not that it's doable, I guess. is is
1: It is, it is doable. And like, you don't have, does, does good gear help? Absolutely. It makes life easier, but you know what, man, before I had rain gear, I was bringing a trash bag with me. Yeah. You know, Whoa. you know, like there there's ways to get around stuff. Like you like my first tent that I ever brought that I was backpack hunting with was seven pounds. Oh man. And I, yeah. I would just that strap it right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll just strap it to the outside of the backpack. The 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 point is is if you want to do it, you'll do it. You'll find a way to do it. You know, you don't have you don't have a water fil a filter. You can't you know, you, you don't have the like maybe you don't have the the means to go get that just bring water with you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, make it happen. You can do it, you know? And then like when I started, um, cause obviously like all of this stuff is expensive. It adds up. Even if you try to go a budget route, we would get like one, two things that you know, here, one, two things here. And then eventually, and then we'd skimp on in other areas where, um, you know like it's like a sleeping bag for instance like you don't need a one pound sleeping bag yeah you just you just need something to keep you warm right so get so skimp there get the three or four pound sleeping bag Okay, but maybe you, maybe you don't skimp on your water filter or something, right? Like you mm-hmm. th- you just have to juggle a little bit and you and just find what works best for you. But the 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 main thing is 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 do what's going to get you in the field. Don't if it's if it comes down to you, oh, I don't have the money to buy this tent. I can either I can either save a lot of money and buy this like seven pound tent over here and go backpack hunting, or I cannot buy a tent because I want to wait to get the one that I really want. But I, that means I'm not going to go on the hunt. Yeah. Buy the cheap one. Okay. Because the, the experience that you're going to get from that is far more valuable than that expensive tent that you want.
0: That's such an important point. I, I mean, it's, that's what I, I think a lot of people miss. The experience is, what you need if if you're just getting into it, um, it, it's funny you talk about some of this. I when I was backpack hunting, this and we're talking in the nineties,
2: uh, mm-hmm.
0: I was hauling in. I'd go for like four or five days, and I'd haul mm-hmm. in you know a couple of cans of Spaghettios and some yep. top ramen and a mess kit. Like we didn't mm-hmm. have cool things like peak refuel and mountain house, oh, and, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? We didn't have that stuff, oh, yeah. so we we did it that way. And one time, what? And, and it's funny though. The the experience you get, I'll give you a great example. Talking about the the dang spaghettios, uh, the experience you get. I'm young, I'm you know a teenager. I go back, and mm-hmm. I thought, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna light a little fire, and heat up this can of spaghettios, and and then I'll open it. Well, you know, I. Still to this day, I'm not I'm not the the, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, I heat this can of spaghettios up in the fire, not thinking about the pressure that builds up because I didn't open it, nice. and it explodes all over my camp, and I'm covered in spaghettios. You know, oh, it's, nice. it's stuff like that. I've you think I've ever done that again? Nope. No, that no. Lesson, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, it's just, uh, it's interesting. I, I can't stress what you said there enough to, to, to new hunters, like people that are getting into it, like the barrier of entry is not, and, and you said it, like there's a lot of marketing around hunting and and we've there been is. talking about that, um, on this show a lot. There, there's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of social media that like to, you know, it, w- let's take Instagram for, for example. It's, It's great. To have this cool gear and take a picture, mm-hmm. you know, up on a mountain because you've got all the cool gear, the latest and greatest, mm-hmm. all the technology, all this kind of stuff. That and that's going to make a great Instagram post, right? I call it Instagram yeah. gold. Um, yeah. But that's not what's killing. That's not what's killing elk. That's not what's killing deer and, and, and bear. Um, talk to yeah. us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, this is funny you bring this up because I I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. Um, I feel like. Um, without offending anyone, uh, I feel like people get way too, uh, analytical about
0: arrows. Oh, don't even start it, with me on that one, man. I don't even know like, what kind of arrows I shoot. I just know how to hit stuff with them. You know, so like
1: what's, and it, it, this can be said with it all gear, right? You don't, the, the, the thing that I mentioned about the tent, like, a $400 bow is going to kill a deer just as well as a $1,500 bow. Mm
2: -hmm. You
1: know what I mean? Like it's the dude that's, that has holding the bow. That is the variable, Yep. you know? So the arrow thing, goodness, man, like people are getting real, real nerdy about arrows and be like, Oh man, I need, I need 21% FOC and, and just, Oh, I got to shoot a 600 grain arrow. And it's all this stuff that is, irrelevant have you in my seen, opinion
0: have you seen those threads on social media where people they'll like it'll be like this 48 hour conversation about yeah you know, arrow setup
1: you're it's like there is a point look i'm a fan of good arrows right like you need you need you need you, need, you what's the best arrow is the one that flies the best for you that's the that's the best arrow yeah It like foc weight three veins versus four veins insert out all of it is irrelevant the the, it's the thing that flies the best okay (laughs) yeah Uh, and and there is a point i believe where you're just splitting hairs
0: it's a you know it's a situation um like josh what how i always look at it is because you have you have people like me, and what I do is I have I have a buddy named Eric Warren who has uh, Westwood Archery, and I just take all my shit over there, and I tell him I want an arrow that can kill a bull, and he sets it all up. I go shoot it and and, and get it dialed in, and I, my job is to make sure I'm proficient at shooting this. He does yeah. a really good job for me. I don't have to geek out with it. However. That what, what happens is, is, uh, you've got like, you've got two sides of it. You've got people like me and, and maybe like you who don't want to geek out on the, on the uh, actual technical arrow or archery side of things. And then you have people that are, they love hunting, but they're also archery enthusiasts, right? And, and so yeah, they, yep. they're, they're way into the archery stuff and, and, and you have this on the, on the gun hunter side too. Um, which I've kind of gotten that, uh, that bug over the years, uh, you know, kind of comes and goes where you know i i kind of want to geek out on on the ballistics or whatever sure I do, but i sure. never get that crazy with it i just know how to shoot these weapons because to me my goal is to hunt and and notch a tag uh i'm not like a shooting enthusiast i'm not like an archery it, enthusiast right
1: yeah and it, it like don't get me wrong with you know before you start getting emails of angry people like, like i <laughs> we might i'm i I uh, I think there's value in knowing how things work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, like I, I, I truly do. I think there's value in like knowing your arrow setup and why it is what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, the, the arrow setup aside, the thing the thing that matters is is the goal is to put that arrow in a critter. And the thing that it frustrates me just a little bit is when i'm talking to a guy that has never killed something with a bow and he's real stressed out about his what arrow setup he's gonna go with
0: yeah i know man i know that guy
1: and 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 i'm like listen i love that you're passionate about this and this might not be what you want to hear but instead of focusing so much energy on what percent foc you have why don't you spend some time out in the field and and really like learn learn about animals and like learn about you know if you're hunting mule deer like learn about mule deer biology like what foods are they eating and if it's bears learn about you know their their denning habitat versus their summer habitat just you know what i mean like that that's that's the stuff that fills tags it's not the animal doesn't care if your arrow is 20% FOC or 12% FOC.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: It does that doesn't matter, you know. Um, with that being said, you know, it's cool to geek out on stuff, I guess, right? But like, what I'm getting at, I guess, is like, in the in certain hands, it, it is valuable. But I feel like in most hands, it doesn't really matter.
0: It could it could it could create a false uh, barrier to entry. And, yeah. and that's, that's, yeah. that's, I think what the problem is. I don't care if somebody wants to geek out with arrows and, and geek yeah. out with their bow. Uh, I've got a good buddy that, and he's like, he's like that with trad bows. I mean, he knows every little thing, how many ding you know, hairs are in the feather kind of thing. Uh, sure. I, and, and I know a lot of fly fishermen that do the same thing where it's this mm-hmm. paralysis by analysis there. They're like, well, you know that elk hair caddis fly doesn't have enough gray in, in in the bitch. Give me the fly rod and let me show you how to catch a fish with it. You don't need to <laughs> yeah. like like quit worrying about it. And and uh, it, it's it, it's just like that. And that's I think what I think the biggest stressor that I'm trying to make for and and what you're trying to get at is don't allow um, the technical details like that bog you down in in your in your hunting um, no. because you know I used uh, like. 10 year old old PSE um stinger the stinger three mm-hmm. for like 10 years and and I killed I killed an elk with it I don't know two years ago three years mm-hmm. was that bull anyway really nice bull and uh I don't I don't I don't even remember what the arrows were I I don't remember all I did was take <laughs> that bow in and got it tuned every year and shot it a bunch and so yeah uh now I, I finally did upgrade. I, I did finally, to my wife's demise, I, I did upgrade my my bow, and I'm pretty happy with it. So it's cool, but um, yeah, it's a great. That's a great point you make, man. Uh, getting bogged down with the gear, uh, that kind of stuff. Can we talk about water filtration for a minute? Sure, sure, yeah. Because because I, I again, I don't want to give away too many details in your book though. Um, but can you kind of walk us through like what you recommend? I, I feel like somebody in Arizona is going to have a little bit more of a uh, handle and expertise level. Um, talk to us about what kind of filter you recommend you personally use and, and walk us through that.
1: So um, the, the filters out there that get a lot of, that get a lot of breaths um, out there is a lot of gravity fed filters and squeeze filters. The Sawyer squeeze is a good one. Platypus uh-huh. gravity. Um, these are all great filters. Um, however, when you have a limited amount of water, uh, it is cumbersome to try to use these because you need you need to fill up a bag, and in order to do that, you need a kind of an adequate water source in order to do that. Um, like a
0: there's flowing some, stream.
1: Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, or like, like some yeah, like a like a creek, like a like a stream, like um, maybe flowing down some rocks that creates like a little like you can create like a little spout with that. Yeah. does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Um, we don't have that really. I mean, we, we didn't get me wrong. We have creeks and rivers in Arizona, but they're, they're not yeah. everywhere like they are in other places I've been. So because of that, my mindset has always been, I carry a pump because here in Arizona, sometimes I've, <clears throat> I've filtered water, a silver, silver dollar size holes before, um, where water just collects from a, from a, a, you know, a, a spring that's underground or something just like that, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh so in a situation like that, I would have been SOL if I had something like a squeeze filter. I wouldn't have had to I wouldn't have been able to get water. So, that's what I carry. Um I'll not be honest like when I am going somewhere where I know that there's like maybe there's a lake, a high country lake or there's water everywhere, I have in the past ditched the fil- ditched the pump and brought with me, you know, a uh, a um one of one of the gravity filters uh-huh. because it's it's very convenient to have in camp you know you fill up four or five liters of water have it hanging in a tree man you got like you got running water right there in camp it's awesome yeah um but uh the now the whole Steripen thing i haven't really messed around with that a whole lot because i feel uh, really uh, really for the same reasons i don't you're talking there's like not
0: like a life straw kind of thing
1: uh, no, not a life straw, but like a, like a UV, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Okay. I know what you're talking yeah,
1: about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing with that. You need like kind of like, you need, like an adequate water source to fill up a Nalgene bottle, um, to, so you can treat the water, uh, in there. Um, I've had buddies that have used those with, with, uh, flying colors, you know, they love them. But for right. me, like mentally, I just like knowing that I can get water in most places rather than some places. Gotcha. So so I always I usually lean on the side
0: of a pump. What's like the nastiest water source you've ever you've ever gotten water out of?
1: Honestly, I have, not not that nasty, man. Like I find some of these water source some of the water sources that are down in the bottoms of canyons can be nasty. uh
0: uh-huh.
1: Um, you know, it like bugs swimming around in <laughs> it. Looks like
0: it looks like chocolate milk.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that'll that'll clog your filter up in a in a hurry. Um Uh other than that, like I don't like I know some guys that'll like filter out of our stock tanks and stuff out here. Um that is not something I've ever had to do. (laughs) I try to find the more more natural water source rather than that. Yeah, that
0: that sounds crazy. That's like just
1: asking
2: for trouble. I hope they bring a lot of toilet paper.
1: Oh, I mean, they're, you know, they're fine, you know, they, they do fine. But I mean, a lot of times, you know, that stuff, it's like filtering out of an elk wallow, you know, it's probably yeah. going to like, taste like elk piss. You know? Yep, exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> we've got, uh, I don't know, some people might get after me for this, but in North Idaho, we've got these natural springs that'll just kind of pop up out of the ground. You know, you got to know how to find mm-hmm. them because it's not a yeah. ton of water, but I mean, I, I can, I could fill up a, I, I carry this little Uh, this, this cup in my pack again, you gotta remember I'm, I'm generally base camp down on the bottom. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so I'm not, I'm not packing in for multiple days here. And so I'll carry this, this cup thing that I make coffee with and I'll just fill it up with those, with these springs I find. And uh, I'll drink the water right there without filtering it. And I'll, I'll, uh, but these, this water's coming from, you know, hundreds of feet underground Mm -hmm. popping up right there. I've never had a problem, but, uh, I've been told that that's a bad idea. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know.
1: I think I think you're probably fine. Yeah. I, especially I if it's coming, you know what I mean? Like especially if it's like it's coming from inside the earth. If it if it was flowing. Like we uh one year we were camped uh next to these guys that had horses um across the basin from us, and they were kind of camped right next to the to the creek in Idaho, actually. Um and uh the creek, like where we were getting water, it was downstream from where those horses were. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and and all of our all of our filters uh, froze uh, on that trip. And once that happens, if you're using like a, you know, a uh, what are those called? Like it, it's the filter is actually like a membrane.
0: Uh huh.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, if if you're using one of those and it freezes. And then uh, that kind of that compromises the filter, Mm. Um, because basically it'll crack the that those uh, little fibers in there will crack and it'll let it'll let the bad stuff. So what we had to do, we were rolling the dice. We're like, man, should we just like. We just drink right from the stream. We're like, you know what? Those horses are right there. So we sat there. We boiled water for all of us. Oh yeah, man! (laughs) You know, we had our timers out. You know, waiting ninety seconds. You know, to for the water to boil for ninety seconds, and then that's that's how we finished our trip out. But yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) well, you do what you got to do, man. But it, it yeah. was doable, right? I mean, you, you yeah, went yeah, yeah. through it and, and see, we were, we were talking about people that geek out on, on the gear and the, and the archery equipment and the FOCs and all that kind of stuff. See, I geek out on, on stuff like your book. I love tangible hunting, uh, information and content like this. And I, I think that that's where like folks listening, instead of worrying sometimes about about some of the gear that that were you know and the technology that goes into hunting it's it's great to have if you've got the money mm-hmm. and, and you want to have it you know I, I i can't say i i'd be lying if i said i didn't have a lot of really great gear i and i do I, yeah. I, I i love it whatever but if if you're just getting into hunting um my my advice is always pick up books like this becoming a backpack hunter uh that's gonna you're gonna read through that and gain information that is priceless when you actually get a tag so books like this other other types of hunting content for the information uh and getting those tags and getting out in the field um that's gonna that's really gonna outweigh uh some you know thousand dollar pack that that you might buy uh that you might not you, you might realize you don't need um i mean i did it with a army navy surplus pack i bought from like the vietnam era uh, oh but, yeah
1: i you i know. used to no, I hear you do. I used to. Uh, I would drag critters before I had a pack that mm-hmm. that could carry animals. You know, like that's. I remember I ruined a mountain lion hide because of that. You know, I killed this lion and, well, I quickly realized my backpack was not uh, not <laughs> adequate for hauling meat. So, oh, man. <laughs> um, I'd yeah drive that thing three miles. You know Jeez. and. That's, Hey, that's, but that's what I had to do. You know, that's all like, well, this is what I gotta do, you know? (laughs) So, so yeah.
0: Let's say, let's say we've got somebody listening where, you know, um, worrying about the cost of gear is less of an issue. Um, Mm -hmm. or they do have a budget and, and, and they're, they're wanting to go on a backpack hunt. What is the one piece of gear that you would recommend not to skimp on? Uh, where other items you can, you know, maybe get away with some, some cheaper stuff like that, you know, seven pound tent.
1: Yeah. I think, um, man, that's a, that's a toughie. Uh, but for, I gotta say the backpack probably. Yeah. Just having a good, a backpack with a good suspension system on it. Um, that is going to carry not only, uh, you know, your camp well, but like when you get something down, it has the ability to really distribute weight well so it can, you can get these heavy loads back to your vehicle. Um, I've done the skimp on the backpack thing, and uh, like I remember, I had one. I had one backpack it, just with a day load in it. I would cinch that with belt down, and uh, my hip flashers would fire up right away. Like right, like right when I left the truck. Oh, I was like, Man, I got oh, I hunting ahead mean, of me. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah. So on that note. Um, I will say you can spend as much money on it as you want, but um, even more important is learn how to properly put the backpack on.
0: What do you uh, mean by that? Because
1: so a backpack is a chain of things that all works together. Okay, it, it's not a let me throw it over the shoulder, buckle all the buckles, and tighten everything as tight as they can get. It all works together. Okay. So your waist belt, like in general, like the goal of a backpack with a heavy load is you want 75 to 80% of the weight on your hips.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And then the rest of it on your shoulders. All right. So the, the proper way to put on a backpack, and I see this all the time, um, and some people are, that are pretty high up in the industry are wearing their backpacks like, <laughs> like not – I'm not gonna say it's not right, but it's just it's kind of
0: throws people off. How it should be. Man, you're probably, um, you probably. I, I might be one of those man. I I didn't. I this is. I, I'm interested in this. Keep going.
1: Yeah. So so I'll just run through like how I put a pack on. Like so, you what you want to do is you want to loosen everything at first. Loosen up the shoulder straps. Loosen the load lifters. Loosen the waist belt. Loosen the sternum strap. Throw the backpack on. You want to get that waist belt buckle that first that's number one okay you want to get that to the point where in general um a good starting point is to put your your hip bone in the center of that waist belt okay the padding that goes around your waist Uh some guys some guys like it a little higher some guys like it a little lower that's like more personal preference thing but like this is a great starting point put it there cinch that down tight okay then what you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna buckle your sternum strap all right. And kind of get that, that sternum strap there is really just there to create space between the shoulder straps.
0: Okay. okay. Can, and to, can I, and can, I back it you up? can I back you yeah, yeah, up yeah. to the, to the waist strap? So yeah, yeah. that's once your pack, you, you put the pack on and you don't tighten the shoulder straps yet. You, you're you're nope. putting, you're buckling up the waist strap. How tight to, does a person want that?
1: i just, i get it to the point where it's nice and snug like i mean a good a good way to think of it is like get it to the point where it doesn't feel like it's gonna slip on you okay you know, Okay. like not not so tight that you can't breathe okay but like tight nice and tight where it's not going to slip on you and you'll get the hang of that as you go because like you know you put this whole backpack on and you start walking if it starts slipping on you you know you need you know you need it to be tighter right mm-hmm. so there's just more of a trial and error thing get that tight Do your sternum strap, clip that thing, um, and then pull on your shoulder straps just until you can feel the 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 strap on your shoulder, not tight. Okay, just then
0: you go to the sternum strap after that.
1: Well, I use I do the sternum strap before that.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay.
1: Because because you want the stir because if you tighten, if you tighten those shoulder straps too much, um, they're they're gonna separate. Okay, does that make sense? Yep. Because yep. the, the sternum strap there is there to keep those shoulder straps in place. And that's what, That's another, like, personal preference thing. Like, where do you like your shoulder straps to sit on your shoulder? If you like them a little closer, that's fine. Like them a little further away, that's fine. But set the sternum strap to where you like those shoulder straps to sit on you. And then, you know, shoulder straps and cinch those down. And cinch is a, a harsh word to use, but, like, it's, get get them to the point where you can just feel them not, not to not where it's hugging your shoulder real tight or anything like that. Remember you want mostly the weight on your hips. Okay. Okay. And then go for low and just pull those a little bit again, just until you can feel them, not yanking until there's all of a sudden this big V in your, between your shoulder and your shoulder strap.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. And like a good, like if you look in a mirror, you want those low lifters, um, kind of on a, kind of like on a 45 degree angle upwards. Yeah. If the, if the low lifters are facing completely in back of you, you need to adjust your, your, uh, your, uh, torso lengths. Okay. It, yeah. Man. So you want, you want, you want that frame a little higher, which causes the, the load lifter angle to go up okay and then just just snug just a little bit. don't ream on it you know but just snug and then that right there man that is that is how you put on a backpack i remember i had a guy i was working at a at one of the full draw film tour events and a guy came in this older guy in his his and he had a backpack and he came up and he's like hey man i was working at a one of the booths there a backpack booth and uh the guy came up and he had that backpack he's like hey I'm having problems with this. What, what am I doing wrong? And I was like, put your pack on and he put it on and he just, everything was as tight as he could make it. And it wasn't working all that stuff. Like I said, it all works together. It's a system.
2: Yeah.
1: And I I was like, give me that. So I, I loosened everything. I put it on and then I was like, do it just like how I did it. And I walked him through how to do it. And he's like, Oh my God, dude, this is, this is night and day different.
0: Dude, you need to make a video on, on this or something, because like, I've been doing it, (laughs) I've been doing this a long time. I always, I always put the shoulder straps on, tighten those down and then, then go to the waist strap and the sternum strap. So I've been doing it totally backwards. And that probably explains why I get my ass kicked when I'm hauling an elk off the mountain or something. Hey.
1: i mean you're probably you're, you're probably a pretty tough guy man you
0: know like, so. uh, apparently no i'm just a glutton for punishment yeah uh, you know it's i know there's better ways to do it and uh it's just not something uh of course i'm not backpacking in right now but uh still yeah still sometimes i go on these day trips where i i'm one of those dudes that'll pack too much you know i'll pack a book mm-hmm. you know or whatever mm-hmm. and uh or like i said if i'm hauling meat or something um I, and I've got a really nice pack, but, uh, there's times when I'll haul something off the mountain and I'm totally fine. And other times that I haul something off with the same pack and about the same way. And I'm mm-hmm. like tore up from the floor up from it. Um, so yeah.
1: that's probably, yeah, why. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, just, it's a little routine. You know what I mean? Like every time I take my pack off and put it on, I loosen things and. You know, it's just kind of second nature now, but like when you do it like that, um, you are starting at zero every single time mm. rather than if you keep things tight. Like I have friends, mm. I watched a dude one time, uh, a friend of mine, we built we this giant bear and he had to hide in his pack and he went and he tightened everything before he put the backpack on.
2: Oh, how do you like get a tight- that one?
1: He what well, in more in particular yeah no exactly like in particular you tighten the load lifters up as tight as could be before he even shouldered the pack. It's like you know those are functional, like those are there for a reason, you know. And so by doing that, you're you're putting a chink in the chain. Yeah. And you're throwing you're throwing things off, you know. So
0: yeah. So is that like information? How how you recommend putting a pack on? Is that in the book?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe it is. I call it, I think I call it like the seven steps to putting on a backpack,
0: I think. Okay. I'm going to find that. And that's awesome, man. Well, um, I know I have kept you a while here. Um, uh, I appreciate, I appreciate the conversation, man. I, I, I feel like we could just kind of keep this going for a long time because, uh, I'm, I'm way interested in, in what oh, else yeah. you have to have to say here. We're, we might have to do this again, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let me know. I'd, I'd be happy to come back on. So tell everybody where they could find you and where they can find the book. Yeah, absolutely. So uh,
1: I'm on all the social platforms. You just search "Dialed In Hunter" on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on all those. Um, my website is dialedinhunter.com, and if you want to uh, check out the book, just search, go on Amazon, and search "becoming a backpack hunter," mm-hmm. and it'll it'll pop up. Uh, feel free to get yourself a copy (laughs) and I hope, I hope y'all like it. I also make some hunting films and stuff on my YouTube channel. So just search dial in Hunter. All
0: right, guys. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to the book, uh, and, and the Instagram and all that into the show notes here. Uh, so you can check it out. The book again from dialed in Hunter, AKA Josh Kirshner, uh, becoming a backpack hunter, a beginner's guide to hunting the back country. Um, Super cool. For those of you out there listening uh, that think you're too cool to read a book or you don't have time, challenge yourself. Uh, we got a new year upon us. Challenge yourself to change that because it is the reading of these books is where that information, even if you, sometimes you feel like you're not retaining it. I feel like that all the time. Um, you know, I could you could like define my life by the guy who forgets things he's reading. <laughs> so story of my life, but it, that's not the case. You'll be surprised with how much information actually stays with you, uh, particularly when you're out in the field um, and, and this information just pops into your head. So I would challenge you guys a lot of, because I, I hear this all the time. Well, I don't have time to read a book or I don't read books. I listen to them or I, I don't, you know, blah, 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 whatever the case is, I would challenge you to change that in the year 2022. You, you'd be surprised what it could do. The benefits of reading a book like this will do for you. Uh, not only as a hunter, just as a, as an individual, um you got anything to add to that josh Uh, no
2: i just
1: uh, no man um you know just just kind of reiterate what we said earlier is is um you know i think one of the most valuable things out there the best teachers experience um so if you've been kicking around you know getting into backpack hunting or getting boat hunting or whatever it is uh go make go make it happen man don't don't be uh don't be bashful go go chase your go chase your dreams man
0: yeah yeah for sure get after it folks new year new you right yeah you, you got any new year's resolutions you want to share with anybody
1: uh <laughs> be the best dad that i can be best husband and uh keep going on killer adventures
0: awesome man <laughs> Well, again, I appreciate you coming on, dude. This, uh, that was a fun conversation. Uh, we'll have to do this again in the future. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You made it all the way to the end.